1: the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Let's have our joke now.
2: Hi, I'm Spencer, an alcoholic joke teller, and we got another great joke from Take Me to Your Sponsor. Best jokes and cartoons from a grapevine. The rain was pouring down. Standing in front of a big puddle outside the pub was an old Irishman, drenched, holding a stick with a piece of string dangling in the water. A passerby stopped and asked, what are you doing? Fishing, the old man replied. Feeling sorry for the old man, the gent said, come in out of the rain and have a drink with me. And the warmth of the pub, as they sipped their whiskeys, the gentleman, being a bit of a smart aleck, could not resist asking. So how
3: many have you caught today? You're the eighth, said the old man.
1: Uh, (laughs) I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Rebecca. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noises or will distract others take this time to get connected to God let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the stub study tonight is everybody ready if so let's start the meditation Amen. Now we're going to do the fog light prayer. It's on both screens. God, God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick and dying, can find your love through me. There is a solution. From the big book, page 17, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Brian to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it is kind of important to know what one is.
2: Brian, alcoholic. Hey, Brian. Okay. Sorry. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness, followed at once by a vast change of feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop solely over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. That such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. One more time. Oh, oh ha <laughs> Continuing, most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God-consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle with... There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer.
1: Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane mode or meeting mode, or just turn it off. This is our third session tonight, and here's Tom.
4: How's everybody tonight? I've been studying that joke book. I like the one I read in there today that said... uh, do you know what the difference between ego and self-esteem is? Self-esteem doesn't need an audience. I thought that was hilarious. You know? <laughs> maybe, maybe you like this one better, you know. Have you heard of alcoholics, uh, Alzheimer's disease? That's where you forget everything but your resentments. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll keep working on it, all right? So, fifth and sixth step tonight. You know, I'll be honest with you, I, uh, I think I was more afraid, of, I know I was more afraid of the fifth step than I was the fourth, you know. The fourth step was, it took a long time, you know. My sponsor kept asking me, you know, are you, are you finished with that fourth step yet? You finished with that four step yet? I, I bet you it probably took me three months at least, you know, to do that four step. And uh I'll tell you what I one of the biggest things I learned from my sponsor at the time was he was constantly telling me, you gotta persevere. Persevere, persevere, persevere. I mean, if he said that once, he said it a thousand times. He would even say, you have to persevere to persevere. So I learned, you know, that, yeah, that's, that's a lot of what doing this work is about. You know, it's about not giving up. You know, I, I gave up on everything my whole life. I was a runner. I was always running away from things, you know. I was I was great at starting things, but I was lousy at finishing things, you know, because, you know, you lose interest, you know, it's not exciting, you know, at first it's like, I don't know how many books I've read halfway through, you know, and never read the rest of them, you know, just put them down because I I lost interest in them, but, uh, you know, I, I think that that's where good sponsorship comes in, so important is to have somebody that knows how to push us in a loving way. You know, not in a, an abusive way, but in a loving way. A lot of times in meetings, I'm, I'm, I'm different. And sometimes at the podium, I'm a lot different. I can be uh, harsh, and I can talk loud. You know and I can push a point really hard and uh, I can sound like one of those really you know butt-kicking sponsors and I have a, a sponsee that I've sponsored for many years and he's about 6'3 and a tattoo artist and his face is tattooed and he's and he's a very intimidating looking guy you know and this guy comes up to him after the meeting, uh, and I had shared in the meeting, and he came to me and he said, I need you to sponsor me because I need a sponsor who's really going to kick my ass all the time. And my sponsor, he said, you fool, you don't even know this man. This man's the most loving man I ever knew in my whole life. So, you know, what you hear and what you see, you know, don't, don't judge the book by the cover. You know, because one-on-one, uh, I'm, I am a lot different than I am when I'm carrying a message. I was taught to carry the message this way by the man that brought me to God. You know, he would get up in meetings and walk around. He'd walk around in meetings and get in your face, you know. He was like that, you know. He, uh, he challenged you. He started a men's meeting at the Pines out on 441 in Boca. And he gave it the name of the best men's meeting I've, I've, I've ever heard. The name of that men's meeting is Romance and Finance, because that's all us guys are all about. It's romance and finance, you know. And if you looked at my fifth step, you'd see a whole lot of that, a whole lot of that, you know. And a whole lot of people that I'd done a whole lot of things to. You know, but we're not at the night step yet. But I remember him telling me, you know, you get this done, you know, then we're going to sit down, we're going to work this fifth step, we're going we're to get all this stuff out on the table. And like I shared last week on the four-step, the way that my four-step was done, it was life story type four-step. And he used to say, you know, listen now, you you can write too little, but you can't write too much. So don't worry about how much you write. So I had 57 pages when I got done. You know, and I've been sponsoring men for years. And a few women, too. But I have listened to many, many fifth steps. My fifth step took about eight hours. I've listened to fifth steps from 45 minutes an hour to 8, nine, ten hours. You know, it's it takes what it takes. But I think the principle to remember... A very important principle is the principle that he gave me. That you can write too little, but you can't write too much. Don't worry about how much you're writing. Put, put everything down. Don't leave anything out. Keep praying every time you sit down to write the four step. Pray. Get on your knees. Ask God to open your mind and open your heart. And help you to write this. Don't sit there for hours trying to think. You know, I used to, I was a financial officer for the union for a long time, and sometimes, you know, in the old days, we kept everything in ledgers. You know, it was cash receipts, cash disbursements, general ledger, all in pen and ink, and they'd have to count all the money. And I don't care if I was a dime off, I had to find that dime. And I would go over it and over it. And I learned the principle from my four-step, get up and walk away. Get up and walk away from it. Leave it alone. You know, it's like anything that's, that's creative. If, you're, if you draw a blank, if you get to a place where you, you're just hitting a blank block wall, walk away from it for a while. Come back to it. And then every time I would come back to it, my mind would open back up again. And I'd be able to write. And I wrote 57 pages. And I proceeded to make up my mind right away, like you'll see, you know, in in the literature, a big mistake that so many of us make. Because, you know, I I didn't mind, you don't mind so much, you know, talking to God. Okay, that's pretty easy, you know, I mean, you know, we tell God, you know, I mean, who's God going to tell, Right? but another human being tell another human being everything you start thinking to yourself why do I even need to tell another human being everything why do I even need to tell a human being anything isn't this good enough just between me and God isn't that enough why should I have to you know divulge Certain things. Certain things that I'm so ashamed of. And disgusted of myself. That I did. That I'm not going to share them with anybody. That I'm going to go to the grave. With that. And that I see no reason whatsoever. To talk to another human being about that. I mean, it's, it's, to me, this program, you know, we know Bill wrote it. We know Bill had a lot of input from others, the first people in Alcoholics Anonymous. We know that I believe that it's divine. That the program is divinely inspired that God, just like God uses me, uses all of us, you know, my God puts people in my path. And he puts me in other people's path. And this thing is the way that we work together in it. Because we're all in the same boat. We are just like a bunch of people that have been shipwrecked. You know, from from steerage to captain's table. We're all in this same lifeboat together. No matter what, what station in life we come from. We're all in this thing together. And I, I used to love this old lady was my wife's uh, sponsor. She used to say, we always are with the divine third. If There's just two of us. There's a divine third. That divine third is my God. My higher power. Wherever two are together. And so there's a big reason. The reason is that if, if, I, don't, if I don't humble myself with another human being and share everything, that's why it's so important to, to find the right person, to, to have the person that you're going to trust. Many, many people, you know, in, in a long time ago, would especially Catholics like me, they would only trust their priest. And and when I was in the VA hospital in Tampa, you know, for two months, you know, we had a, a priest, and I went to that priest, you know, and I made confession with that priest, and I told that priest some things because, you know, I know the priest can't tell the cops, okay. Because there were a lot of things that I did. You know, I always said, you know, because, you know, I'm not just an alcoholic and a drug addict. I'm a criminal, too. You know, and I did a lot of crime. And uh, I used to have a friend who was a criminal in this program. He's long dead now. Joe Holland was his name. He was a great guy. But he used to have the first time I heard him say it, I took it and made it mine. You know, that's all I've done all these years is I've just taken all these things from all these different people that I've heard and made them mine. They became mine because, you see, when I just used to do things my way, my way didn't work too good. My way did nothing but get me drunk. So all these things that you'll hear out of me, I either took it from the literature or I took it from the people in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. None of it is of me. I didn't come up with any of this. I'm here just sharing my own experience, strength, and hope with what, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and through my experience in those steps and so when I heard Joe say you know I didn't get justice I got mercy I knew exactly that went right to my heart because I knew what, what Joe was talking about you see I didn't get uh, justice if I would have got justice I'd have uh, you know, been in prison a long time but I got mercy and like the man who brought me to God used to say every time he would speak he would say my name is Dennis he'd make the sign of the cross I'm an alcoholic and I'm sober by the mercy of God and I stay sober by the grace of God on a daily basis and that's what works for me that's the exact same thing that works through me and for me is this mercy that God gives me this grace that's an unmerited gift because my God loves me unconditionally I don't have to be worthy of God's love or make myself worthy of it grace is an unmerited gift we're all worthy of God's love so I trusted my God it's other people that I have a hard time trusting I I never apologize for my complete and total dependence in a power greater than myself. I don't have to trust people. This program taught me that. I need to learn to trust the process that's divinely inspired. If I have made my decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God, then why am I still trying to run the show? And say to myself, I'm not I don't see any need for that and that's what I intended on doing I intended on doing that and the night that I had intended on finishing that fourth step I went to a meeting that night and it just so happened that the speaker at that meeting spoke on the fifth step I'd never seen the man before never saw him since But he carried a message to me. Like so many times in my life, messages have been carried to me. And the message that he carried that night was, there were things that he made a decision that he would take to the grave with him. And he was not going to share those things with another human being. He'd share them with God, fine. But he wasn't going to share them with another human being. He was going to keep them for himself and to himself didn't see any reason to talk to another human being about that and then he went on to talk about how for the next five years in this program he didn't drink but he couldn't go anywhere he was stuck right there and he was miserable and he couldn't figure out what his problem was and he went to therapy and the therapist couldn't figure out what his problem was You know what I'm talking about? Let me ask this question. How many people have paid a therapist and lied to them? That's the way we are, right? We're going to go to somebody and pay them, but then lie to them. See, I'm, I'm not here to talk about you. I'm here to talk about me. I'm an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. And I built a whole lot of resentment over all that. Okay? And I, I built a character. And I want you to be impressed by this character. So that I can be impressed by this character. You know, I need your approval. That's the way I was my whole life. I need your approval, so I'm going to build this character. You know, and, and, and I can't tell you the truth. I, hell, I, I don't know the truth myself. I've lied for so many years, a lifetime of lying and creating some tough guy character. Telling the same BS stories over and over and over again. We get into talking about building a new character. I, I realized, you know, after some of this work was done, I didn't like the character I was. I told my sponsor, you know, I I don't like it. You know, I I understand that I've been telling so so many lies for so many years that I I believe these lies. I started to to see this self in myself that I believe these lies about me. And, 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 and And it disgusted me. I didn't like me. That's why I came here 50 years ago and hung around here for 10 years and never got sober, kept getting drunk again. Because I kept being the same guy that I always was. I was just a guy without alcohol in me. But I was the same man that I always had been. And I couldn't stand to be sober. Because my mind bothered me so much. Because of of my life. My lifestyle. You know. I say I'm three people. I'm three people. I'm the person that I think I am. I'm the person that I want you to think I am. And then I'm the person that I really am. Now that's the truth. That's the real truth. And what this life has been for me is, is, is learning who the person is that I really am. Accepting it. Expressing it. Admitting it. To myself, to my God, and to another human being. This is a process of, of a step through application because I'm an application step guy. I'm not a one through nine step guy, and you graduated, and now we're just gonna do maintenance step. That's not who I am. You may listen to other speakers or you may have sponsors that think that, but I'm up here talking about me and that's not who I am. I believe in step-through application in an order. And they're meant to go in an order for a reason. To uncover and discover who I really am. And I don't want to do this. You see, that's always been the problem with me. I don't want to do it, so I'm not going to do it. Because I'm only going to do what I want to do and nobody's going to tell me what to do because I run my life and I'm not going to have you running my life that's what wasted 10 years was in the revolving door of Alcoholics Anonymous thinking I knew how to manage my own life I finally had to give up on that realize what a lie that was to myself what a lie that I lived in the delusion of thinking that I knew how to run my own life and so I'd create my own program do it my way Like the man who brought me to God said to me when he asked me to pray. And I told him, I don't see how that's going to do any good. And he said, how's your way been working, wise guy? Your way been working for you? Well, I guess not. Well, then I guess what you believe in doesn't work then. Well, you know what? This isn't about what you're willing to believe. It's about what are you willing to do. That's where we get hung up. That's where I got hung up. I got all hung up on... I, I don't I don't want to do that because I don't think that's for me. I don't think I have to do that. And then the man talked about how miserable he was for five years, and then he finally got to working with a new sponsor, and it came out that he left stuff out of his fistup. And he, and he brought it out, and he shared it with the new sponsor, and his whole life changed. His whole life changed. He was able to move on in the steps. He was no longer miserable anymore. Isn't that what I want? Isn't that what I came here for? Because I don't want to be miserable. I was miserable when I got here. Am I going to be sober and still be miserable? What's the use of me being sober if I'm going to still be miserable? If I don't do the work, I will be. I proved that to myself. So I shared, I, I, I uh, <laughs> That's funny, I came to him, it came time to do the fifth step. We went up on the ocean at a picnic table, nobody else around. We spent eight hours at that picnic table. And I shared everything with him. I went home, after hearing that man that night, I knew, I knew that God had sent that man there to tell me that because I'd already wasted 10 years around here, not going anywhere, not doing anything and I was done with not not doing uh, things the way I was told to do them. They used to say it's not just a suggestion as far as you're concerned Tom it's, it, we're telling you that's what you need to do Either you're going to do it, either you're going to change the guy that brought you in here. Because if you don't change the guy that brought you in here, that's the same guy that's been taking you out all these years. So who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the guy that keeps taking you back out? Or you're going to listen to us who have have found a way of life where we're happy, joyous, and free? Because that's all my God wants. People say, well, I don't know what God's will is for me. I say, you don't. Well, God's will for me is the same as it is for everybody. God doesn't have some special will just for me. Who do I think I am? You think God gives a damn whether I'm a rocket scientist or a ditch digger? I was a ditch digger my whole life. And a damn good ditch digger. And I made a good living and a pension out of it. They paid me, but I worked for God. When I made that decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God, just like this book talks about, I got a new employer. He's the boss. He's the principal. I'm his agent. And if I perform his work well, I'll have everything i needed. And I've been sober 40 years, and I've had everything I needed in 40 years. I've never gone without a roof over my head without some food in the refrigerator, without a host of friends and people that love me and people that I could love, and a God that loves me unconditionally. I haven't gone without anything. I've gone without what I wanted. And it's a good thing that I did because what I wanted wasn't shit compared to what God's given me because you see I never was capable of knowing what I needed. All I was ever capable of was knowing what I wanted. All any human being is capable of is knowing what he wants. So I shared that with him. I went home, I put everything in the in the four step. I said I'm not wasting any more time. And I put everything in that Fifth step, fourth step—that I was going to share in that fifth step—and I told him all about it. I told him all about it, and it turned out, you know, he did the same things. He did a lot of the same things that I—that I thought I was so terrible that no other person could do things like that. You know what he said to me? He asked me this question. He said, "Tom, let me ask you something. You're—you're." You're, intelligent. You've read a lot. You know a lot about history. How long has man been on the earth? I said, well, they say that the first human skeleton they found was about 3 million years old. So I guess human beings have been on the earth about 3 million years. So in 3 million years, all the billions of human beings have been on the earth. What makes you think that you could think or do anything that hasn't been thought of or done already? Who do you think you are? You see how egotism can work in reverse? Egotism isn't always about I'm the greatest. Egotism can be all about I'm the worst. Nobody's as bad as me. Me, 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 me. All about me. I don't know who you think about all day, but I think about me. Wake up thinking about me, Go to bed at night thinking about me. The only time I think about you is how it relates to me. It's all about me, isn't it? Used to think I used to think that you were thinking about me. Then I real, then I was, realized I, I wasn't that damn important. You ain't thinking about me, you're thinking about yourself. You're too busy thinking about yourself to then think about me. I used to think people were talking about me, looking at me, you know. Why did I think that way? Because I'm all hung up on me. I'm selfish and self centered. I remember the first time I read that in this book and I took it and threw it across the room. I said that's a bunch of crap. You know, because it's everybody else's fault, not mine. I don't want to take responsibility for my alcoholism. I want to make you responsible for it. I want to make God responsible for it. You know, and I share that with him. And we took that fourth step, and we burn it. And then he told me to go home. I love this part in the big book. After we finally get ready to do this thing on page 75 into action, we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know Him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we have omitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement? Put into the foundation, have we tried to make mortar without sand? I'm an old laborer, hod carrier, mason tender. Making mortar without sand don't work too well. You can't build a building making mortar without sand. You can't build a foundation in this program. Like the old timers used to say, if you don't do the fifth, you might drink a fifth. When that fifth step was over, I had a huge spiritual experience. It was like an 800-pound gorilla got took off my back, an 800-pound monkey. But you have to remember, like my old buddy Ronnie used to say, God bless him, he's gone now many years, just because the monkey's off your back, that don't mean the circus left town. Because the circus is still in town, baby. And I still have alcoholism. I don't have alcohol It ain't never a wasm. It's always an ism. You know, and I'm ready now to take the sixth step, right? Oh, and I, that's what it says, you know, right after you you read that, you go right to the next page, and it says, if we can answer to our satisfaction, then we look at the step six. And then you got one whole big paragraph there. (laughs) Right away you take a guy like me and you say that's easy right well, it's no big deal right okay yeah yeah okay I just did all this work in the first five steps man I've been through all this I'm, I'm ready sure I'm ready man no big deal let's go on that's all there is to it right and he said oh hang on there partner I got something I want you to do little exercise I said yeah okay what do you want me to do he says well I want you to go and uh, I want you to find three people you can't stand I said oh that's easy there's lots of people I can't stand he said that's not all now he says I want you to find something good about each one of those people find something good in them I said yeah okay I guess I could do that he goes, but that's not all, man. He says, after you find the three of them and you find something good about each one of them, I want you to go to each one of those persons and I want you to tell that person that good that you see in them. And you've got two weeks. And after two weeks, he came back he said, well, how'd you do? And I said, well, I found the three people and, and I, I found something good, you know, about each one of them. You know, but I could, I could, I could, listen, man, I could only tell two, okay? That third SOB, I ain't never going to tell him anything good about himself, you know? I wouldn't dare. And he looked at me, he said, well, that just goes to show us how willing you are. And I said, how's that? He said, about two-thirds. You're about two-thirds willing to change. But that's something. That's a place we can start. It's nothing but a start. We make a start on this willingness to change. And I said to him, you know, Tommy, I said, you sure expect an awful lot out of me. And he said, Tom, all I expect out of you is for you to change your whole personality. Because your whole personality needs changing, you know. And the biggest thing that we learn about this sixth step is that it is a lifetime process. It ain't one paragraph in the big book. It ain't, well, we're, we're willing. Yeah. How willing are you on a daily basis? How willing are you in the day that you're in? I can be real willing. I can be real willing with something that causes me pain. That's easy to give up. Okay? To give up all those little things that are causing you pain. Those are real easy things. But how about the little things? You know, we call I like to call them the little termites that eat away at the foundation of our life, of our character. I always love the first paragraph in the 12 and 12 where it says this is the step that separates the men from the boys. So declares a well-loved clergyman who happens to be one of AA's greatest friends. He goes on to explain that any person capable of enough willingness and honesty to try repeatedly, step six, on all his faults without any reservation whatever has indeed come a long way spiritually. and is therefore entitled to be called a A man who is sincerely trying to grow in the image and likeness of his character. The next page, it talks about having been granted a perfect release from alcoholism. Why then shouldn't we be able to achieve the same means a perfect release from every other difficulty or defect? This is a riddle of our existence. The full answer to which may only may be only in the mind of God. Nevertheless, at least a part of the answer to it is apparent to us. Yeah, God's not going to render us white as snow without our cooperation. But how willing am I to cooperate? That's the whole point, you know. My my great thing, my whole life, was self-justifiable anger. I love self-justifiable anger because you know you just feel so superior to people when you're full of grievance and you want to bitch and complain all the time about these people you know look at that guy look at him the way he's driving he doesn't know how to drive what's the matter with them how come they don't go faster how come these people are in my way don't they know who i am don't they know i got things to do Let me tell you something. Sometimes it it takes a long time. You think it happens overnight? It doesn't happen overnight, but it doesn't happen at all if we don't practice it, if we don't finally get so sick of it and sick of ourselves that we can't take it anymore. And I don't know when it happens. It happens when I'm willing and when I get ready for it to happen. And I finally have had enough of it. For years, I was, I was always late. Always. Always in a big hurry. Always getting there just right on time or right at the last minute. You know, and that's really selfish. When you're, especially when you're involved with other people. But you don't think that way. You don't think it's Selfish. Because let's let's just be honest. I'm not thinking about you. I'm thinking about me. And what I'm great at is excuses. I'm real good at making excuses. I'm real good at rationalization and justification to soothe my conscience and minimize my guilt and give me the ability to tell me it's your fault. It's not my fault. It's this. This is the reason. That's the reason. All these other things are the reason. Instead of taking the responsibility from me, or I'm one day in a big hurry and I'm and I'm I'm doing just I'm doing the same crazy crap that I always do. I'm getting up on your rear end and I'm 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 almost hitting you in the rear end with my bumper. Okay, get out of my way go faster. I got to get there, you know, and I'm behind this car and they're just, and I'm late and they're just dragging and dragging and, and I'm honking the horn and I'm just, my temper is through the roof and I'm yelling and screaming in the car. And finally I get an opportunity to go around them, you know, and I tear out around them, I zip around them like that. And I look in the window and looking at right at me, is this little old man and little old lady and they're scared to friggin' death. I haven't done that since that day. Because when I get up there and I feel that coming on I see their faces. That's how these defects get taken care of. God has a lot to do with it. God puts us in the position where it becomes so glaring to us. We become so sick of our behavior that we just don't want to do it anymore. And we ask God for help. You know? We think that you know, one of my one of my favorite uh, lines, you know, comes from uh, from a philosopher from Roman times named Cicero. Cicero said, "If you if you pursue good through labor." The labor passes and the good remains. But if you pursue pleasure through evil, the pleasure passes and the evil remains. In all my life, I was always pursuing pleasure all the time. You know, what did I have? I, I had this big hole in me and I never felt like I ever had enough of anything you know I've got the disease of more you know you can't give me sugar man I'm a sugar addict my two uh, my, I've got my boys are grown men well when they were little boys and they'd come to say good night to dad they'd say and I'm sober right you know and my boys never seen me drink I've been sober since 1983 Yesterday was my oldest son's thirty-third birthday. They'd come to me and they'd say, "Daddy, don't eat all of the ice cream while we're sleeping, okay?" Because I would. I get that box of ice cream out, man, and I just shoveling it in, and I just, I just couldn't stop shoveling that ice cream in, man. That ice cream's just so good. When they would come home on Halloween, mom would tell them, "You better hide that candy." And I'd be looking for it. I'd be searching for it. I'd be going through that bag of candy looking for all the good stuff. I'd, I'd say, go take the kids, you know, trick-or-treat, and I'll stay here and hand the candy out. I'd eat a pound of candy myself. It, it doesn't have to be, you know... The, I mean, that's what the, the six-step talks about. It's easy for us to give up you know the really big stuff. You know, I mean, it talks about you. You wouldn't want to be somebody that's so lustful that you're raped. You know, so angry that you'd murder. Of course not. You know, those things are easy enough. but we're not going to do those. Okay. You know, if you if you're going to do them, you're going to. You know, listen. I, I I one of the greatest guys. I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. One of the best guys I ever knew. Started uh, my home group in Boca Raton, Boca Men's Recovery. It's been my home group for almost 30 years now. And uh, he used to say, you know, there's only three laws that you have to obey in this life. Only three laws you got to obey. You got to obey the laws of man or you're going to the penitentiary. You got to obey the laws of nature or you're going to get sick and die. And you have to obey the laws of God or you're going to live a stinking, miserable life here and now. See, for me, it's not about the hereafter. It's about the here and now. My God wants me to be happy, joyous, and free. He wants that for me. He wants that for you because he loves you unconditionally. And because he loves you unconditionally, he has a plan for your life. And if you just follow the plan, you'll be happy, joyous, and free. The kingdom of heaven is right here, right now, within me, within all of us. That's what we talk about. I've done several step series here, you know, and and that's what I'm about, about bringing you back to God, bringing you to God. That's what this book talks about. And we agnostics. It talks about that. It says. This is a book about God. And we're going to talk about God. Now. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Who your God is. You know. I have my God. It's not the God that I grew up with. Because I couldn't do business with the God. That I grew up with. So, I had to come up with a God. That I could do business with. A God that. I know loves me unconditionally who so I call my father you call, you call him anything you want what difference the difference is I'm not God Okay, I don't have the power to overcome my alcoholism I had to have a power greater than myself because I proved to myself that I was not that power and so if I'm going to come to believe in that if I'm going to make a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of this power greater than me, then I'm going to need to trust him, you know, and ask for help and learn to change the character because that's what really this is about. It's about building a new character because the old character doesn't work. All the old character does is get me drunk. And that old character went around his whole life trying to fill this hole in my soul with booze and drugs and sex and money and cars and jewelry and property and prestige and blah, 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 blah. And it never mattered how much I stuffed in there. I'd just keep stuffing it in there and stuffing it in there. All those instincts gone array if one's good two's got to be better three's got to be you know i look at that you give me the doctor gives me that pill bottle and it says one every 4 hours and somehow i see four every one hour <laughs> how's my mind twist like that okay i i thought that's what i read no that's not it's not four every one hour it's one every 4 hours you know because if one pill's good, two of them gotta be better. You know? And that's what I do. And I keep stuffing it and stuffing it and stuffing it. And it doesn't matter how much I put in it, it just won't heal. It won't fill. And I learned. I learned that the hole can't be filled, it can be healed. God will make that possible to heal that hole in my soul. He has healed it. healed it a long time ago. He gave me a life, you know, beyond my fondest dreams. You know, I've I've had a wonderful life in this program. I've been given so many gifts. You know, so much love. That's the real gift. The real gift is the love. The man that brought me to God used to say, what's Alcoholics Anonymous all about? And Alcoholics Anonymous is all about people. What are people all about? Well, people are all about God. What's God all about? God's all about love. I like where we talked about the difference between the boys and the men and the women and the girls. I tell you, the difference is written right here on page sixty-eight. The top of the page it says, Therefore, it seems plain that few of us can quickly or easily become ready to aim at spiritual and moral perfection. We want to settle for only as much perfection as will get us by in life, according, of course, to our various and sundry ideas of what will get us by. So, the difference between the boys and the men is the difference between striving for a self determined objective. And for the perfect objective, which is of God. So I don't quit, I persevere. I'm not done. I was speaking in a meeting about how, and I'd been sober many years, how I wasn't satisfied with the character that I was. And a newcomer came up to me after the meeting, and he was mad as hell how could you say you've been sober all these years and you're not satisfied with the character that you are? I said, because my character always needs work. I'm a human being, okay? And I'm always going to have defect in my character on a daily basis. On a daily basis, I need help, all right? This job will be over when they throw the dirt in my face. That's when it'll be over, Because I got alcoholism. Don't have alcoholism. Thanks for letting me share tonight.
1: Let's thank the speaker one more time. And this is Brandon with the Secretary's Report.
3: Hi, my name is Brandon and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Brandon. In keeping with the 7th tradition which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. We also have QR codes on the back of the chairs. I've asked Keenan to come up and read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why people in AA identify as recovered rather than recovering, what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic.
5: We are not cured of alcoholism, recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered.
3: 19 style, 1940 style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous, of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried. 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, came to believe, and experienced is that God has not changed over time, neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest the 75 success rate If anyone is in needing of a sponsor, please raise your hand. And if you're too shy, you can come up and stand by the piano. And can the recovered alcoholics please raise your hand? If your hand was not raised, we suggest that you hang out with the people who were. Um, And then screen announcements. Uh, Intergroup is where you can buy AA related literature and medallions. Intergroup is also responsible for creating our where and when and scheduling the AA hotline. Stop by and visit them. Next slide. Uh, Broward County Institutions Committee is responsible for bringing meetings into places where people like us can't get out to an AA meeting, such as jails, detoxes, rehabs. They meet monthly to organize the meeting schedules at the 12 step house. Do we have any members of BCIC here? No. All right, Uh, next slide. Here are some upcoming service opportunities Um, the men's first 14th annual Florida Men's Advance. Um, Next slide. And then the second planning meeting for the 60th Intergroup Appreciation Banquet will be held April 2024. Next slide. And then we have Tom M for two, three more weeks. Next slide. And, of course, here's our home group's Monday night's Big Book Study Workshop, where the Big Book comes alive. Join us for fellowship at 6.30, and the workshop starts at 7.15. We meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bell. See you next week.
1: We have tonight's session. We have tonight's sessions and all the past speakers, podcasts at thealcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night Big Book study. And those who wish to thank tonight's speaker, please line up down the center aisle. Let's all do the Lord's prayer in our seats. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name.
2: Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this
6: day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom,
7: the power, and the glory, ever and ever. Amen. Heart is heavy, soul is thirsty, body's aching. in need of restoration.
8: Shannon. Yeah.
9: I see the light, count my blessings when I go to sleep at night, kid, and I dream now. lessons when I go to sleep at night. And I dream now. Yeah, I dream now. And everything's all right. <laughs> oh, man. Going on 10 years old, that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
5: this one, don't you?